Amen. Thank you, Andy. <clears throat> Great introduction. <laughs> so we're in our series, Reforming Church. It's good to see you, by the way, and particularly those in the building, but great to see you join in online as well. And uh, oh, we just got used to doing this bit, and now we've got to, got to change again. It's a, it's a strange world that we're in at the moment, isn't it? Um, today I want to talk about Reforming Church in terms of unity. And uh, I did a quick uh, Google search um, for uh, some, some, some place of worship that, that maybe wasn't representing the unity thing quite so well. And I found um, this church um, in, in the mail online, so take it however you want. Um, in early March this year, uh, the Church of the Nativity of Christ in Odessa, um, in the Ukraine. And the title, the, 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 the kind of headline was Holy War, Brawl in Church. And I was like, surely not. Um, but I watched the video of this brawl in church, and it, it was pretty bad, to be honest. There was apparently um, a, a newly ordained uh, bishop and uh, he had wanted to fire uh, one of the abbots, and uh, he didn't take too kindly to that. And uh, two women started just kind of gesticulating and a bit of pushing. And then the priest got involved. And as he got involved, he fell over on the floor. And then as he got back up, the priest started like throwing some punches. And I was like, oh. Like, I, 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 there was a little bit of me that was like inside just wanting to giggle and then I just thought this is so wrong Jesus in his prayer at the end of John's gospel asks for something completely different this is Jesus' prayer in John 17 we're going to read it some of it together he um, prays for himself, he's about to be glorified. He prays for his disciples, and then he prays for us, the people who follow in him. And we get to listen in on this prayer because it's recorded in John's gospel. And I tell you what, we also get to be the answer to this prayer as well through him who helps us. So John 17, I'm going to read from verse 20, and it says this, the words will come up on the screen. It says, I pray also, this is Jesus praying for those who will believe in me through their message. That's the message of the uh, disciples, that all of them may be one. Why don't you look out for how many references to oneness are in this passage? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have 
loved me. Wow, <laughs> what a passage of scripture. I'm going to tell you right off the bat what the end goal is here for the followers of Jesus in this day and in that day. The end goal is, as we read in verse 23, complete unity. A perfect oneness. Did you see that little phrase that was in, in verse 21? It was just as. <laughs> that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. What's complete unity? It's the same as the Father and the Son have had throughout eternity in the unity of the Trinity, which is them being together in all that they do and are with the Holy Spirit. How close are the Father and the Son? There's a question. How close are they together? Well, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They are inextricably linked. There's a oneness there, and that's what Jesus is praying for, that we would be as his people together. I don't know how often you've come into church thinking, I am going to get as close to these people around me as the Father is to the Son. Have you ever come into church thinking like, have you ever, did you join this church? Did you want to put your roots down in this church thinking, do you know what, I want to come in here, I want to be as close to everybody in here as Jesus is to the Father. That's what this is saying. I don't know about you, but I like a bit of space. <laughs> if you like a bit of space, you've got it with COVID. You've got your space. You might have church exactly as you want it, actually. That no one's sitting next to you. <laughs> in fact, there's four chairs in between you. And you can't talk to anyone on the, in, in, on the way in and on the way out. And you're ushered out and you've got to go back to your transport. That's not what Jesus is saying. That he wants us here. You might have come in, well, you know, I just, it's just about me and God. It's just about my relationship with him. And if, if, we, if what you give me here in Citygate helps me with that, then that's all we need, isn't it? That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that you can't have unity with him <laughs> if you haven't got unity with each other. He wants us to be a, a body, an interconnected body together. I want to give you three ones. That's the, that's the picture, if you like. That's where we're going. That's, that's the end game. I want to give us three ones that will make a greater oneness. First one is one model. His name is Jesus. One model. Jesus was praying for us. Jesus has gone before us. Jesus gives us everything that we need to be able to do this, which I'm so grateful for. There is this unity through Jesus and the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did upon the cross that brings us into the same unity with the Father and the Son. We are included in the Father and the Son's oneness. That's an amazing truth. You are in Christ and his spirit now dwells in you, the living temple, your body. Therefore, unity 
in Christ is a fact before it is a feeling. Here's um, an example. Here's our uh, wedding uh, certificate on our marriage day on the 24th of September, uh, 1999. We were going to wait till the year 2000, but to be honest, I couldn't wait. So we got married. This was in a registry office. And um, it was such a kind of false environment because the very next day we were going to have our, our kind of proper wedding, as we saw it, with the church before God. Um, and so my wife proceeded to giggle through. She got a fit of the giggles and giggled through the whole thing. I think the registrar thought that we're never going to last, that, 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 that we're not taking this seriously at all. You know, on that piece of paper, it says that we were married. That's a fact. But boy, did we have a lot to learn about what it meant to become one together. Had we, we hadn't consummated the marriage, we, so that was a oneness in terms of a fleshly oneness. We, we, we had multiple opportunities every day to either build together or to build apart. So wherever you are, if you're feeling apart, you need to know that unity is a fact before it's a feeling. Because you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ as a believer here this morning, then you have all that you need to be able to work out unity in a horizontal level, as I have done over the years with my wife. And I'm grateful for her. You see, he asked the Father to be one for us, not to become one, because we have already become one with them, because it's already done when we gave our lives to Jesus. Romans 15.5 says this, God gives us the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So how do we do this? Well, one, God's given us this incredible mind, the same mind as Jesus, because he's our model. That with that one mind and one voice, you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we are given both the Word, which we unify around. We're given the Holy Spirit, which we unify around. The Spirit in us enables us to live a life worthy of the calling that God has given us. And as you look at Jesus as your model, he had all these things. He was, he was the humblest, wasn't he? He was the gentlest. He was the most patient. We're told to bear with one another to walk in step with the Holy Spirit so that everywhere we go we can represent him and this sense of walking out and working out our unity on the earth. Just like I've had to work out my marriage with Catherine on this earth together. One model, Jesus Christ. One enemy, the devil. This unity and division is the devil's tactic and it is a dagger at the heart of the church. Do you know your enemy? You see, our battle is not against the spiritual forces in this world. Actually, it's not against flesh and blood. It is against the spiritual forces in this world. He, the devil, is out to destroy our unity. You need to know that. 
this morning. You need to know of this one enemy. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. You get this sense of Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. And he says these things to try to help them against the devil's schemes. He says, I appeal to you that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united. There's that word again, that complete unity in mind and thought. Here's what happens as the enemy kind of comes to us and he sows division amongst us. Here's what happens. You see, here we are, like we're, we're Citygate Church, right? And some of the things that we can then be led into can, can, can tear us apart. Paul's words that there be no division among you. It's like a, it's like a schism. It's like a, a ripping, a tearing apart. And so what, sort, what starts to happen is, is that, we, that we start to tear as things happen. Maybe there's, maybe there's envy. Maybe there's uh, jealousy. It's another tear, if you like. Uh, straight down the, the, the kind of, this represents the church. This is our, our kind of who we are. Maybe there's quarreling. <laughs> there's some comparison. There's um. Hey, look, you know what you're doing in the church? This is actually affecting who we are and who Christ is. You see, what Christ won for us upon the cross by our petty bickering and squabbling and divisions that we have not taken a hold of and the enemy, if you like, has got in amongst us. And let's be honest, Is there any better time for the enemy to be doing his work than right now? Where the church is is kind of all over the place in some ways. And his people are isolated. You see your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a what? A lion. Here's the big thing, right? Here's what's going to ruin us. The big one out of all those things, unforgiveness where we hold stuff against people. We hold on a, a bitter root, as it says in the Bible, that divides us and takes down our unified oneness together and affects us significantly as a church. We cannot take this lightly as to what we do and how we do it. So we work for unity, we also fight for it against the enemy's schemes. So that Satan might not outwit us, the Bible says, so that we're not unaware of the things he tries to do. And the context for that is in the, in the context of, of unforgiveness. So what do we do even today? Because we don't want this in amongst us, do we? Then we come to God we come to God we go to him to deal with our hurts first 
so that we can get a, another sight of God's grace. Because that's who God is, that we come to him and say, God, I, I need your forgiveness again. He forgives us because that's who he is. And we get a sight again of, of his holiness and his grace. And we begin to live again like him. And then secondly, we go to the person if we need to. Matthew 5, Matthew 18, two examples. Sorry, Matthew, yeah, Matthew 18, two examples of horizontal people making right, reconciling with one another before they bring their offering, as it were, to God. Let's not make it about ourselves. <laughs> Engaging in these petty, bold, petty battles, let's remember that we are stronger together as one. And let's fight the war of unity together. The last one we need to understand or know is, is one mission, to see God's glory. Matthew 28 19, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, just as Jesus was sent into the world, so are we. We are united by a common sense of mission together. It's a global Mission, as we've heard, that Jesus gave that mission to all his disciples. And then there's the, the City Gate mission, if you like, what we're about, what we feel God's called us to do that unites us together as we go forward. As the Father sent me, Jesus said, So I am sending you. <laughs> you know, when you're not caught up with the mission and you become a bit lethargic and a bit idle and a bit distracted I want to suggest that that's when some of the some of the difficulties happen that's when the devil will get in at us but when we are engaged in prayer battles when we are preaching the gospel to each other and those around us. When we are being persecuted for our faith when things get stuff, uh, tough, when we are pursuing signs and wonders, there's no time. <laughs> there's no time for disunity in terms of what God has before us and what we would so love and long to see. And then there are these amazing words. You see, in this oneness, there is a so that. Jesus says, so that you will convince the world, this is us, convincing the world, that one, Jesus was sent for the world, and two, that God loves them. You know, we try all sorts of ways, don't we, to convince the world that God loves them. And yet one of the things we think about least is just how we are between one another. 
the demonstration of our unity, the demonstration of our oneness, the demonstration of us being family, the demonstration of us being body together, preferring one another. That is the greatest picture for the world to understand that Jesus is Lord, that he's been sent by the Father, that he's come because the Father loves them and he is the way for them to come through to salvation. You know, I started with that um, YouTube video of that church fight, and one of the comments, because it was on social media, was this, that, that, that this is just so typical of the church, because they can't even agree amongst themselves. And yet they're the ones who are telling us how to live our lives. Friends, <laughs> in Christ, because of our oneness with him, we can find a true unity. We've got such a togetherness here, I believe. But we've got to watch out for the enemy's schemes. We've got to be aware of them. We've got to keep Jesus as our model. We've got to know him. We've got to remain in him and in his Holy Spirit so that we can work out together acceptance of one another as Christ has accepted us, so that we can work out forgiveness of one another as Christ forgave us. And so that we can cultivate a love amongst our community that the world is so desperate to see. So they too might know and love him. That's what happened in Acts 2. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They had such a um, kind of sense of mission that it says that they were so united that no one had need amongst them. And then signs and wonders started to happen and they were all in awe of what God was doing. And God added to them daily the number that were being saved. That's what I want to see. That's what we're here together this morning and you watching online to work out our salvation with God and our unity together. So we're going to take bread and wine right now to kind of speak pictorially in the best way that we know how. <laughs> the same, the, the very thing that Jesus gave us to do to symbolize, yes, his victory on the cross, but yes, the fact that we are one together in Christ. So why don't we invite the band back up? I'm going to perch behind this table. I hope you can still see me. Here's what I want to say, you see. This body that was torn was torn for us so that we could know him. It's an incredible thing that it is to know him. If you don't know him today, maybe you're visiting this morning, maybe you're a guest looking in, if, you, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, <laughs> if you have always felt on the outside, then Jesus is in the habit of bringing people right into the inside. First by saving them and forgiving all their sins so that you know that you are known by a father. And then second, adding them to a family 
and a body where they can be together and know a unity and a friendship like no other because of our, we are united by Christ. And though this is a meal for believers, today, right where you are, at home or in the room, you can just come to God and ask him to, conf- to, to forgive you for your sin. And you will be made new in him. In that moment, you're invite- you will be invited into the same oneness that I now know in Jesus. And for the rest of us, we know this meal well, don't we? A reminder of what Christ has done for us and a symbol of our unity together as one people. Jesus took the bread (laughs) and he broke it. But here's the thing, right? Before we eat this bread, let's search our hearts. We holding on to something that we just don't need to hold on to anymore? Are we out of sorts with someone else in this body? Because we're connected, you know, through Jesus. You know, one of the things in Reforming Church, we talk about this, and we've talked about this over many years, but in Reforming Church, I I believe God wants us to act on these things. To actually go to our brother or sister. You can't do that in here. But don't take this bread until you've decided in your heart that that's what you're going to do if you need to do that today. We need to be united in these times. And this is our pass, if you like, to greater unity. Ask him to forgive you if you need to. Just before you and God. Holy Spirit, I pray, convict us. of our sin if we need that. Sometimes we belittle it and categorize it and it becomes acceptable. We don't want to tear apart your church. you can take the bread and the wine his body shed for you his blood spilt for you
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that when we come into the presence of something much greater, when we come into your presence, we can put all our differences aside. And Lord, we pray that your glory, therefore, would fill our temples, this temple, your people, increasingly, (laughs) increasingly. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, church, why don't you stand? If you're at home, you might want to stand as well. We are the church, right? Everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to demonstrate his love and our togetherness. My wife sent this in to us as a word for us today. I just want to read it before we sing, and we're going to declare that we are the church, and we're going to go out praising, as it were, in declaration that he has done a great thing in us. She said this for us. I believe God would say to the people today to keep praising. That's how you will get through and do all this again. She's talking about COVID. I will give you strength. Receive this from God. I will give you peace. I will give you all you need for your family. We've already heard about that. It's ringing true this morning. God would say, I know what I am doing. Trust in me. The church will rise up. You, the people in the church, are the hope for this broken nation. Do you believe that? You are. I will give you power to pray. Power to speak the gospel and power to stand firm in him. Keep praising me. Let's do it.